think I got the bird flu. I'm tired of selling packs. I think I need a bird or two. I think I got the bird flu. I'm tired of selling packs. I think I need Everybody, it is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. And right here, right now, we are getting ready to go live on YouTube. And we are officially live. You know, if you're watching on YouTube, welcome to another episode of The Bird's Eye View. You know, sort of a different episode this week, not just, oh, the weekly NFL recap. Like, honestly, I was at the Giants game, so I missed pretty much all the 1 o'clock games. I saw I saw most of the later games. I know I got back for the later games. It was supposed to be the Knicks game, but you know something happened. That's a bit of an annoyance. But you know, here we are. You know, we have Giants Commanders to talk about. We have Aaron Judge back to the Yankees to talk about. We have the college football playoff to talk about. You know, as always, you know, wear my Giants jersey. We are going to talk about Giants Commanders ending in a tie. I mean, like a tie, a a, a freaking a fucking tie. Like, like I've. I don't even, what was the last time the Giants have tied, you know, and everything I've listened to, everything I've read, I never heard a stat, uh, you know, when was the last time the Giants tied, I'm going to look that up, the last time the Giants tied, uh, I mean, now it's, you know, now it's telling me against the Commanders, I mean, let's see, I mean, that game, f- first tie in 25 years, or first tie since 1997, and, yeah, like, I was like, have they even tied in my lifetime? Because that was definitely the first time since I've been a fan since I've really started paying attention and watching football. And, yeah, they ended up tying this game, a game that i go to. You know, it was definitely shitty being there for the tie because I also had other things I had to stress about. Like, I was supposed to be fifth row behind the Giants' sideline, you know, court side of the Knicks game that day. But, you know, got screwed over with tickets, and I was stressing about that. Ended up in the nosebleed, so it was definitely a little hard to see the game, which ended up sucking. And, like, yeah, I mean, the tie sucked. Like, it was, yeah, like, season's not over, obviously. We still are in a playoff spot uh, as of now if the season were to end today. But that game was, you know, I said that was the biggest game since 2012, Week 16 versus the Ravens, and that went a lot better than that 2012 game against the Ravens where that game we lost 34 to nothing in 2012. Uh, and yeah, overall, that was annoying. I mean, you know, we had to sort of get off the schneid after losing to the Lions, losing to the Cowboys. This was the game. You have two games in three weeks against the Commanders. You know, a game against the team with the best record in football sandwich in between. A team that always, always happens to have your number, by the way. So this game sort of felt like a must win at home. You have to take it. And... They ended up losing it, or not losing it, tying it. You see, like, I- I'm saying lost, and, like, I gotta say, this was, this was probably the first time this season I was frustrating with, frustrated with the coaching staff and the play calling. I mean, this was different, a lot different than what we saw in week one. In week one, we saw Dable going for two after scoring, going for the win, you know, all that risk taking, all that excitement. And here the Giants are playing not to lose. They are playing very conservative. You know, in the overtime, they weren't being risk takers. You know, they weren't pushing the ball to try to get in position to win. You know, they were playing conservative. It's why then the lineup for such a deep field goal at the end of the game by Graham Gano. Uh, in the end, just like yeah, like even the end of the first half, 
The end of the first half was also very, very sloppy. The play calling where the Giants didn't use their first time out till there was like well under a minute left in the game. Uh, you know, running the ball, you know, despite being in Washington territory. And it was just very weird. So this was definitely the first time where I've had my issues and frustration with the Giants coaching staff and with the Giants play calling. I mean, it happens. It's, you know, a first-year head coach thing. In the end, you know, not turning on Dable or anything. Uh, but overall, like, I was definitely frustrated. A lot of frustration there. I mean, look, I mean, part of it's the personnel. You know, there was really conservative, and I get it. Like, we're sending Richie James. We're sending Darius Slayton out there. We're sending Isaiah Hodgins out there as our receivers. You the play calling is going to be conservative. But, look, you saw last week against Dallas on Thanksgiving, they went out and they were passing the ball almost every play those first two drives, being aggressive, keeping that Dallas defense off balance, keeping them honest, and, you know, probably would have, it worked on that first drive with the exception of that bullshit penalty that we got called for. Uh, but here, you know, sort of got away from that, went back to their very predictable style. Uh, and, look, it was nice. You know, we thought the guys back, Bellinger, Neal, would be easier in the running game. You know, most of Saquon's rushing yards came on that last drive right before the half, where at first the Giants were trying to kill the clock, but in the end, oh, you know, they actually moved the ball well, got in the field goal range, nearly screwed themselves out of points in the first half. Uh, be like, whether it is like, it doesn't seem like Daniel Jones, you know, I don't know if he's going to be back here next year, and a lot of it's, you know, not saying, this isn't me saying he's not the guy, but I don't think the coaching staff believes he's the guy, you know, that's based on, They've been limiting his play calling. His play calling has been very limited this season, especially the last few weeks. And I know a lot of it's the personnel. The line's not great. Their receivers aren't great. I mean, in the end, you know, these last few weeks have definitely proven to me that DJ is not the guy. And I think it's shown that the front office doesn't think that DJ is the guy. Now, you know, there, there's a chance he's back next year because, you know, I really don't know what options are available. You know, I don't love the QBs in this draft. I still think we have, there's still holes on this roster. Uh, I mean, this is more of a discussion for uh, for later for the off season on who's going to be the Giants' QB. But you know, it's definitely called to be my eye that it looks like Dable and Shane don't want him as their answer, and I and I'm perfectly okay with that. Like, I like Daniel; he's been better than I thought he was going to be. But you know, he hasn't shown me anything to prove that he is the guy. He's our guy. He is not the guy. And I think that's that's very fair. And again, there are personnel issues: wide receiver, offensive line. Uh, there's a lot of holes in this Giants team. I just, you know, again, it's impressive enough that we're 7-4-1. and one. Uh, But, man, like, another thing that, too, while we're struggling, Saquon Barkley. He is running a lot more like the guy we saw in 2020, excuse me, we saw in 2021 uh, and even parts of 2019 before he ended up, you know, going off at the end of the season. Uh, right now. And this isn't the same guy who we saw in the beginning of the year was explosive, was making guys miss in the open field, was being, you know, a lot more patient with the ball, finding the holes, you know, lowering his shoulder, not afraid to take the hit. Now, I think he got injured slightly in the Texans game, or maybe it was the the Seattle game or Jacksonville game. One of these games, he was a little shaken up for a second. I mean, maybe that injury is a little more serious than we thought. You know, he was limited at practice today with a neck injury. But either way, you know, a few weeks ago, I questioned if we should re-sign Saquon Barkley. And this is when Saquon was playing some really good football. You know, at that point, it looked like you, you would have been an idiot to question the Giants to re-sign Saquon Barkley. And I did. I questioned it because I know the value of the running back position in the NFL. And I'll tell you what, Saquon in the last couple of weeks has shown 
that, you know, I, I was leaning 50-50 as it was. You know, probably a little more towards yes. You know, I'd been no coming into this season. And now I'm probably back to always leaning more towards no if we should re-sign Saquon Barkley. Just because, again, what, what team has given long-term money to a running back and had them work out in their favor? You know, Saquon's a great player. He's a really talented running back. Look, we put that money towards him. That's money that's not going towards fixing the line for him. That's money that's not going towards potentially another QB, another receiver to help whoever's QB. Uh, yeah. I, I, at this point, I think you either let Saquon walk or you franchise him or trade him in the offseason. Uh, let's see. I guess, you know, that that's really it for, you know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley stuff. I feel like I kind of harp on that stuff a little bit. Uh, but, you know, let's talk about the game. Like, I'll go back to the game. You know, I talked a little about the offense, the play calling. But, man, this defense, at least the front four, were finally healthy and getting just a taste of that pass. So Shaziz Ojulari, Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams. Oh, man, was that pass rush fun and exciting to watch. It was probably the, you know, the most you know healthy. That's probably the most exciting unit the Giants do have on their team. And it just hasn't been healthy all year. One guy comes back, another guy gets injured. But finally, we had all four of those guys healthy. And what happened? The Giants had five sacks, which, I mean, I don't even remember the last time this defense has had five sacks because they've rarely, rarely get after the quarterback. But here we go. Like, they did that. And they, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, people locked in the five sacks. They dominated. You know, they, they were dominating the line of scrimmage to really get after Heineke. And that was, you know, that was easily the biggest positive takeaway for the Giants was that pass rush finally generating something. Because Laura knows, while Dory's out, while McKinney's out, we're going to need that pass rush to really compensate for the weakness in the secondary, which really, really hurt us this game. I'm um, look, the secondary wasn't, like, awful, awful, giving up all these touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns. The, in the end, this defense held the commanders to 20 points over 70 minutes of football. That's a little bit Bobby Skinner, who I did happen to meet. You know, one of the guys who helped me get into podcasting was saying, you know, 70 minutes, 20 points, that's good defensive football. But the way the commanders got those points was just incredibly frustrating. The secondary had two missed tackles on the touchdowns. And look, F Fabian Monroe, I guess, did a solid job on Terry. Fabian's been a solid player all year. But he's not a cornerback one. I mean, pretty much everyone in the secondary, with the exception of Julian Love, who was playing hybrid safety and playing everywhere all over the field, was not on the team come preseason. Was not on the team in the preseason or the 53-man roster. They either were on the team, got cut by the Giants, were on the practice squad, you know, had to get caught up, or they just came over from another team's practice squad or another team's cut cut days in the preseason. Just like crazy that we're playing with this. Uh, we need, we, cause Ador, look, Adoree's there, Adoree, look, one thing is very good with is making tackles. He gets beat by speedsters, but when it comes to route runners, you know, he, t he tends to do pretty well against covering them. You know, I don't think Terry, you know, I don't think that first touchdown, he's, he, Terry's breaking a tackle and getting that on Adoree. Maybe the commander's score, you never know. The second touchdown, I feel we have Adoree there, Monroe's on Dotson. He doesn't get burnt, and maybe there's not that missed tackle. I don't know. McKinney probably doesn't let, uh, Dotson get by him. Who knows? Either way, not having him, not having a door has been very frustrating for this defense. Uh, like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Just, I mean, you, you look at you look at the NFC, you can lock in Philly, you can lock in Dallas, you can lock in Minnesota, you can lock in somebody has to win the NFC South. 
you can probably lock in San Francisco, and that leaves the Giants, the Commanders, and Seattle for the last two spots. You know, with those two teams playing each other, I probably think Seattle, especially the way that Geno Smith is playing, is in. And it likely means that the last spot is going to come down to Giants, Commanders. I really don't see another team in the NFC outside of those two teams that could get that last spot. And now they're playing Sunday Night Football, Week 15. That game got flexed in. This is the biggest regular season game we've had since the 2011 finale against Dallas. You know, this game is as close as win or go home as it gets without officially being an elimination game. Because, look, the winner of this game has to just win pretty much one more game and they're in the playoffs. Uh, so, I mean, th- this is assuming that the Giants end up falling the 7-5-1 next week against Philly. Uh, but overall, like, yeah, that game against Washington in two weeks, huge. Huge, huge, huge. The biggest, biggest regular season game in 11 years. The biggest game since we beat Dallas in week 18, or week 17 of 2011 to, you know, go to the playoffs, but we went on to win the Super Bowl. And that's how big that game against the Commanders is in two weeks. You know, if we beat the Eagles, okay, it's still big, but then it's like it probably maybe loses some of that weight. But in the end, like, I'm still thinking that we're probably going to beat Philly. Like, I don't think a Dorian McKinney are coming back this week. It doesn't really sound like they'll be back. I haven't heard anything. Uh, other stuff, the late game execution, again. Dable was playing not to win. Conservative, you know, set up Graham Gano for a crappy 58-year field goal, which he completely was short on, and that was extremely, extremely frustrating that he was short on that. Just, you know, Gano feels like he's been so reliable, and he messes that up in the end. Uh, you know, you know. I thought, did it get plopped? Was it a bad snap? Nope, that was just on Gano, who has, like, nearly been the perfect giant, the best player on the team the last few years. Uh... Let's see. I'm trying to think. What other, what other Giants thoughts do I have before I move on? Uh, late game execution, I said, which I didn't love. Oh, other stuff. You know, just little things. John Feliciano, that taunting penalty. Look, I get he was probably flexing at Darius Slayton, but what he was doing was just dumb. Like, you know you can't be doing that. Admit you fucked up, buddy, instead of, you know, trying to make excuses. That was rough. And that probably puts the Giants in field goal range. Said they get knocked and said, you know, they're not 15 yard back. Idiocy. Dumb from Feliciano. You know, there were some stupid penalties this game. And, like, honestly, Gates has looked better at center. Please, please put him over Feliciano. And the last thing is Odo with the Giants. At least it's Odo Beckham Jr. You know, with OBJ, he's. You know, it seemed, it seemed all these things he was going to Dallas. Now Dallas leaked his reports. I right, look, I have mixed ones about Odell. Now, I do not want him going to the Cowboys at all. I think him going to the Cowboys and being their two, maybe even their three wide receiver is very, very dangerous for that offense. Uh, you know, you know, I think a lot of fans with the Giants, and I and I love Odell. I love him a lot, and, I'd lo- and I would welcome him back. But also a lot of Giants fans, like, I'm not going to be heartbroken if he doesn't come here. Yes, it'll suck if he goes to Dallas, and I would rather him go anywhere but Dallas. But look, this is a receiver coming off two torn ACOs who's over 30 years old. I, I, think, in, I think a lot of Giants fans are expecting to get the same guy that, who's been here, who, who was the guy in his first stint here. Look, we're, we're simply not, we're not getting that guy if the Giants get Odo Beckham. You know, he's just not going to be that guy anymore. Realistically, he's probably not a number one receiver at this point. He's probably better served being a number two receiver. But, like, regardless, if he comes to the Giants, like, it's actually someone who's decent. He'll easily be the number one receiver on this team. 
Uh, and it'll be someone, you know, who will excite fans, you know, bring energy to that locker room. You know, I welcome him with open arms, Odell. I know I'd like to have him on the Giants, but I'm certainly not banging the table and, like, begging for him. Just I would not like him to go to Dallas because I just can't stand the Cowboys. As anyone who knows this, listens to this podcast knows. Can't stand the Cowboys. Can't stand the Eagles. Uh, and that actually wants to bring, bring me to something. Jimmy Garoppolo, injured. Out, out to at least the divisional round. And realistically, I'm taking to that Jimmy Garoppolo's out for the season. And, you know, midseason, I went with my prediction that Jimmy G and the Niners were going to win the NFC. Not only win the NFC, but win the Super Bowl. That was my midseason pick. Now the Jimmy G injury has thrown a wrench into things. Because, I mean, look, the Eagles and the Cowboys are the two favorites in the NFC, without a doubt. But I, over my dead body, am I picking either one of those two scumbag franchises to win the NFC? You know, especially Dallas, who chokes a lot, and Jalen, the most overrated quarterback in football, hurts. You know, that, you know, that leaves a few options. Do I trust Brock Purdy? Do I trust Kirk Cousins? You know, my answer with those teams, I don't trust Brock Purdy as much as I love Kyle Shanahan, as much as I love this Niners team. I just don't trust a Mr. Irrelevant. You know, I don't trust Kirk Cousins to get it done, and I don't trust that Minnesota defense, which is one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, which means I am relying and I am putting all my faith in Tom Brady and the Bucks putting together, you know, putting together another run. This is Tom Brady. Remember, he's taking the regular season off, and come postseason, Brady's going to turn it on. I'm back in on the Buccaneers, baby, back on the Bucks winning the NFC. You know, that was my preseason pick. They've gone away. They've looked horrible. But I am back on the Bucks. We are back all the way on the Bucks. I mean, who else is there in the NFC? Again, I'm not picking scumbag one and scumbag two. You know, the Vikings. I'm sorry, their pass defense is just atrocious. It's one of the worst def- pass defenses in the NFL. Uh, you know, I think they've been winning close games, which helps. Kirk Cousins has looked good, but Kirk Cousins in the playoffs also. And you know, I- I'm a- I'm close to keeping the Niners as my pick. I am. I just have a lot of trouble picking a guy who's a Mr. Irrelevant rookie to win the NFC when a rookie has when no rookie has ever started even a Super Bowl game. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, oh well, yeah. I guess a uh, couple other thoughts on football. You know, so again, that that's you know that that was the NFC. I'm still keeping my Bills pick in the AFC. My still my Bucks Bills Super Bowl preseason pick. AFC, it feels that like we already know the playoff picture. I mean. Bills, Dolphins look like they're locks. Chiefs look like a lock. Titans look like a lock. Bengals, Ravens, although the Lamar injury does complicate things, the Ravens have been good enough to this point where it feels like the Bengals and Ravens are a lock. And that last spot is just a huge race where it feels like anyone can get it. The Jets, the Patriots, the Raiders who are alive and have a game against the Patriots coming up. Uh, the Chargers, you know, all it takes for them is to win one or two games. You know, Mike Williams is probably coming back soon. Uh, Cleveland, if they can win enough games under Watson. Pittsburgh's heating up. Uh, literally, the entire AFC is in the playoff race, honestly, and has a legitimate shot of making it. I'd say outside of Houston and outside of Indianapolis and Denver, everyone in the NFC and the AFC has a legitimate shot. Now, I think it's going to go to the Jets and they'll hold on because of that great defense in spite of Mike White, in spite of Zach Wilson. But the New York Jets are going to be... In the playoffs, as on the New York Giants. Uh, anyways, so I'm gonna go through, give my game picks now. Uh, so last week, last week was a pretty good week with my game picks. Actually, we went 11 and five. Uh, now here we go, week 13 picks. 
Or excuse me, sorry, that was two weeks ago. Last week I went 10 and 4, 10 and 4. That's my, my bad, guys. My bad. Uh, anyways, so week 14 picks. Starting tonight, I have Vegas beating the Rams. Like, you know, is who's starting? Waffer, Baker, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> the Rams are just a bad team right now. And the Ram and the Raiders will be at 6 and 7. How about that? I know the Jets beat the Bills, and even though I just picked them to get that playoffs, last playoff spot, I have the Bills beating the Jets again this time. I have the Bengals beating the Browns. I know the Browns have the Bengals number, but I just think Watson's still a little rusty. He looked rusty last week, was lucky they got to play the Texans. Now I have the Bengals beating the Browns, uh, you know, fixing what went wrong last time. They're playing some really good football right now. Dallas beating Houston. I mean, come on, Houston stinks. I have the Vikings beating Detroit, probably yet another close game, but I definitely think Detroit, you know, could contend, hang around Minnesota in this game. Titans beating the Jaguars, clinching the AFC, I believe which would clinch from the AFC South. Philly beating the Giants, and look, I want to pick the Giants, but Philly always beats us, and like, they're just a much better team than us. This game could either get really ugly, or be a game which the Giants keep close and lose in heartbreaking fashion. I have the Steelers remaining hot and beating the Ravens, you know, whether Lamar plays or not. Uh, looks like it's going to be Huntley playing. So, yeah, I like the Steelers' chances in this game. You know, continuing their hot streak again, the 6-7. and seven. How about that? I have the Dolphins being the Chargers. Dolphins bouncing back from that loss. Chargers, they're getting a bit healthier. But that Dolphins offense is literally built to got decimate this Chargers defense. Staley's still an idiot. His days are numbered. I love the Dolphins in this game. Uh, Niners. I still have them beating Tampa Bay. You know, I think we're going to get, you know, at least some early good Brock Purdy success. You know, while there's not much film on him, Shannon's a great coach. Tampa's struggling right now. And I know it seems contradictive that I just said I don't pick, believe San Francisco can win the Super Bowl with Purdy. And I have Tampa Bay winning the NFC. But and I'm picking the Niners in this game. It's just I, in San Francisco, too, I like the Niners. I have Seattle in Seattle getting a win over Carolina, staying hot, and really, really making that push towards the playoffs. Kansas City's going to play Denver. I have Kansas. Is that really the Sunday night game? No, no, no. That game had to have gotten flexed. No, yeah, that game got flexed out for L.A., Miami. Kansas City, they're going to beat Denver. I mean, come on. Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Chiefs win. And Monday night, I have the Patriots beating the Cardinals simply because you know, I think Kyler Murray stinks. I've been anti-Kyler Murray. I've been anti-Cliff Kingsbury. It's a bad coach, a bad QB going up against the best coach of all time. Bill Belichick tends to do well against these kind of QBs. You know, QBs and his young QBs starting against him for the first time who have tendencies to struggle. I like the Patriots. Quick lines that I like, and you know, I'm going to get some spreads. Uh, wow, Lions are one and a half point favorites against the Vikings. You know, I might change my pick a lot that have the Lions win that game because that feels like a sneaky rat line that's begging everyone to take the Vikings. But I do like the over in that game. Uh, I love Steelers minus two against the Ravens, whether whether uh, Lamar plays or not. Uh, I do like the Bucks plus three and a half against the Niners. I like that half point is a big difference. Love Chargers plus three and a half, even though I like the Dolphins just because. God, I'm, I'm, I have a lot, all the road dogs I have winning, all the teams on the road I have winning are road favorites, and now it's making me, like, question my bets. I don't know. I mean, the book, it's, you know, I went bad last week. I went 1-7 with my bets, so you probably shouldn't be taking advice from me. Uh, anyways, that's that's it for college football, or for NFL talk, Giants talk. I'm going to quickly move on 
college football playoffs. The Ohio State Buckeyes are in. And, like, look, it, you know, we, we had to sweat it out. We had to have U.S. hope that USC beat lost to Utah. But, look, anyone who's an idiot saying, oh, Ohio State didn't deserve to get in because they sat at home as an idiot, find me. Look, look what, you know, you, you, you can have your argument that Ohio State, oh, you know, they, they got lucky. They just had to sit on, sit on their ass and wait for another team to lose and hope another team lost. Find me a fourth team who, who who deserved to get into Ohio State. You can you can't you can't tell me Clemson. You can't tell me Clemson because they won the ACC. Because guess what? Their common opponent, Clemson, got their asses handed them by them. Ohio State beat, and Ohio State has one loss versus two loss. You know you can't say Bama if you're using that argument. Ohio State needed to lock. You can't say Bama. Uh, let's see. Then there was. Are you gonna give the Kansas State? Are you gonna give it to Utah? Three loss, two three loss, three loss teams. I don't think so. The only answer for that fourth spot with the way things went was Ohio State. And, you know, you can cry, you can bitch. There was no other choice on who was going to be. There was no other team that was more deserving of that fourth spot than Ohio State. And, look, this isn't, this isn't me trying to even be biased and say, oh, yeah, there was no other team that deserved to be the fourth spot. If USC had won, oh, USC 100% deserved to be in. USC probably would have been three, and TCU probably would have been four if USC had won. And look, you would not have heard me complaining and saying that oh, Ohio State should be in Ohio State's one of the top four teams. Look, again, tr- if anyone's trying to say Ohio State should not be in, tell me. Give me an argument on who that fourth team should be over Ohio State because, look, USC didn't win their conference. USC has two losses. You know, again, other conference winners have multiple losses, and some of them, one of those losses are to opponents who Ohio State beat. So, like, again, find me an argument for who— Give me a convincing argument for who could have been the fourth team over Ohio State. Like, I just cannot believe that people are legitimately trying to argue that they shouldn't be. And then even using Alabama as an argument, which was just asinine. I mean, Bama should not have even been... Even there was talking about Bama in over TCU was a joke as is. I mean, that was just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, look, we're going to the playoffs. We have Georgia. And Jackson Smith and Jigba is not going to play. It fucking sucks. But, look, I get it. And, look... You know, there's you know, there's the sewed camps. There's the camps. He was injured. He was injured. You know, blah, blah. You know, you don't know, blah, blah. You can't just say this about him. And, you know, then there's the people, you know, questioning his character, saying he's not a motivated guy, not a team guy at all. Uh, that's just idiocy. Like, no, like, to say he's not. Look, I, I think, honestly, like, if he truly, truly was healthy, healthy, he could have played. Realistically, if he wasn't, he probably could have played, is, is my guess. But there was probably, you know, he probably wasn't 100%. And when you're training for the draft, you know, for him, I guess the, the, the risk outweighed the reward. The, the risk of playing and re-aggravating the, the hamstring injury and causing something long-term outweighed the reward of playing for a national championship. Now, you know, I, I, I get that. You know, you're protecting your future. You know, maybe, maybe if there was less re-injury, if there was not re-injury risk or a, a much less re-injury risk, I think there's a good chance he's playing. Uh you know, if you know, I, I believe he followed the advice of the, of his doctors and you know, the advice of his doctors. Granted, they made that advice for his future. Like it wasn't just, oh yeah, your hamstring won't heal by then. So I think it was a mix of his doctors. It was a mix of looking out for the future. Uh, it sucks. I really wish he could have played. I mean, imagine what we could have done that receiving core. Marvin next to JSN next to Egbuka. That would have been fucking scary and terrifying. But, like, we're not going to get that. We had a third game, and we saw what it could do in one game. Uh, 
Just, it sucks. Now this game, this game is a huge game for the legacy of Ryan Day. You know, Ryan Day, who is, you know, he's never lost back-to-back games at Ohio State. This is a massive game for his legacy. I mean, he, he's been, the, and Ohio State historically has done well as an underdog. You saw the, their, their run in 2014. 2018 against Michigan, they were an underdog, actually, believe it or not. And that was the, 63, the 63-39 game. Uh, they beat Clemson as an underdog with Day. But look, the thing is with Urban, look, or, you know, the thing is we haven't been underdogs much. In the few times we have, they've shown they can win. But also, the thing is with, you know, the Ohio State, they've been favored in a lot of big games. And Urban has shown that in those big games that they're favorite, he can win. Ryan Day, the only big game he's shown he can win was that game against Clemson uh, when we were underdogs in that weird COVID year. Like, this game is huge for the legacy of Ryan Day. This is, you know, a huge test, a real big game. You know, we saw in the championship game, he got blown out after that win against Clemson. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of rods on the line here. Oh, this is easily this is probably the se- second toughest match with m- opponent of his career, and you know that's no knock on Michigan. Obviously, you know th- those two Michigan teams they beat him, but I think these Georgia teams are both better than Michigan. You know that Bama team was still the best team he went against, he coached against, and he lost. Again, this is the, probably that this is the third time Ryan Day is going to a game I know as an underdog. He's one and one. One game he shocked the world. One game he lost to an all-time great team. Uh, I'm not gonna say shocked the world. I guess people, some people had Ohio State winning. One game he put off the upset. One game he lost to an all-time great team, but got embarrassed. Now this game is huge for their like for the legacy of him. Just you know against Georgia as an underdog. Do you lose back-to-back games? Do you fold the two? You know in your season where many people considered you one of the two favorites to win the national championship game. Are you really going to lose your two toughest games that you played? Really, your your two most, the two really only difficult games on your schedule, if I'm being honest. Losing both of those, not a good look for the legacy of Ryan Day. Winning this, okay. Yeah, Day knows how to bounce back after a loss. Day could coach these guys up. Day knows how to get ready for a big game. That's what a win tells us. Okay, yeah, the last loss against Michigan sucked. And, you know, you don't lose, you're not supposed to lose to Michigan as at Ohio State, as the Ohio State coach. But beating Georgia at least shows, okay, the loss to the Michigan suck, but this is still a tough team. This is still a physical team, and this is still a team that's a championship contender. Now, losing to Georgia, I know it sounds crazy saying, oh, beating Georgia and losing to Georgia while you're a playoff team says a lot for your coach, but it really does. Beating them really shows, okay, we can win these big games. We could get tough and physical with the best teams in the country. We're not just a product of an easy schedule and our, you know, our recruiting being that much better than most of the Big Ten. You lose this game and it looks okay. Then it really becomes look, days look, we have talent. We've had all this talent in the world, and yet we haven't been able to win any championships with them. Day has had a tendency for losing big games, championship games, twice against Michigan, Georgia in the playoffs. You lose that game, you really question, you know, his long term future as the head coach. Not next year, but his long term future as the head coach. That being said, look, uh, there are the keys to the game for the Ohio State. Win in the trenches. I mean, the, how does how, how has Ohio State mostly gotten beat the last few years? They've gotten dominated in the trenches. Uh, you know, they they did against or they got dominated against Oregon. They got dominated in the trenches the last two years against Michigan. Uh, they got dominated in the trenches in the first half last year against Utah in the Rose Bowl. And when they get dominated in the trenches, the play action and the deep passes typically tended to open that up. 
You can't get dominated in the trenches against Georgia. That defensive line is going to have to show up. You're going to have to, you know, make a lot of plays. Do not let do not let the Georgia establish that strong running game and then let Stetson, Stetson Bennett beat you. You have to stop the running game, but you can't overcommit and let Stetson Bennett beat you the same way you let J.J. McCarthy beat you. Uh, you know, in the offensive line, you're going up against probably the best defensive line in the country, probably the best defensive lineman in the country in Jalen Carter. The O-line, which has struggled a lot and a lot in the past recent weeks, needs to have their best game of the season and look a lot more like the team that was really physical in week one against Notre Dame. If they have any chance of winning this game, it's going to start at in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Because, look, we have the skill positions. Our skill positions are great. Marvin Agbuka, you know, could make plays in that Georgia secondary. But if, you know, Georgia's defense is getting pressure on Stroud, Stroud's not great under pressure, he, he's not going to be able to get the ball in the spots he wants. He's going to struggle to make some of those throws. Now, if we're getting dominated in the trenches and we can't establish a running game, we become a one-dimensional offense. We can establish the trenches on the defense. They can run the damn ball against us, which means we're going to have to overcommit and Bennett can beat us. In the end, look, I want, I want Ohio State to win. Uh... I think we've. I think we can win. I think we will give Georgia a game. I think of all the teams that we definitely match up the best against Georgia. But without Jackson Smith and Jigba, and with how good Georgia's defensive line is against our offensive line, which is probably one of the biggest weakness, weakness weakest points on the offense, I gotta pick the Bulldogs to win this game and go to the national championship game. Uh, and honestly, like, I have them repeating. I just have Georgia repeating. I just think you know. The second straight year, their defense is that good. Their team is that good. Uh, you know, they, they have everything around Stetson Bennett for him to succeed, even though it's a joke that he's a Heisman finalist. So, yeah, I have Georgia going and beating Ohio State. And, look, I'm going to go with the upset here. I have TCU beating Michigan. Uh, look, I mean, a lot of it, I think it, it, that could just be wishful thinking. That pre- realistically probably is wishful thinking, but I don't know. I have a weird, weird feeling that TCU is going to pull off the upset, that Max Duggan's going to show up and have the game of his life. Again, it's probably wishful thinking more so, uh, but you never know. Like I- I'm hoping for TCU. I'd love to see that upset. You know, TCU, the team that no one's giving a chance to, has a chance to pull off the upset and pull off an absolute stunner of a victory over Michigan, which would probably be one of the bigger upsets in college football playoff history. Now, I mentioned the Heisman. I want Stroud to win it. It's not going to be him. It's going to be Caleb Williams. I mean, come on. Last thing I'm going to touch on. Thank God Aaron Judge is back in New York and signed with the Yankees. Although, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's a big-ass contract. $40 million a year for nine years. Uh, I mean, look, it, it's huge money, but it's worth it. You're locking up a top-five player in the league. He's likely to be named the captain of the Yankees. And, look, I mean... Judge had all the leverage in the world. This team would have been completely lost without him. And good for him. You know, he came out and he had a fence. You know, he had an unbelievable season. He bet on himself and he made himself a lot of money. Now, I have no doubt, you know, in the latter half of this contract, you know, the, mon- the money's going to probably be hurt in the Yankees. But right now, like, he's a top five player in the league. He's a player. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He's an abu- He's a really good defender. You know, it's getting a guy who single-handedly carried this team to the postseason. Now, look, the, the move was great, but it shouldn't be done. The Yankees still have a lot of holes on the roster. So they, they need to sign some guys. They can't let this Aaron Judge signing, you know, be their biggest prize of the offseason. They need to actually pivot, get another outfielder, specifically a left fielder, you know, Get someone else, third base, shortstop, second baseman, somebody else in the infield, you know, to shore up that team. 
Uh, but overall, like, I'm glad Judge is back. And, like, thank, thank God, because this team would have been abysmal, abysmal without him. And if we win a World Series, I don't care how bad that deal looks in the back end of it. Like, simple as that. Like, we get five, six good years out of it, which is very realistic. Then I don't give a shit how the back end looks. You know, uh, there's a good chance last three, four, or five years the contract sucks. But again, give me a World Series out of it. Give me a lot of good years, and I'll be thrilled. I'll be thrilled with it. You know, again, then, you know, people saying, you know, I know, you know, they're idiots trying to clown the Yankees. Oh, ha, 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 you guys just fucked yourselves, committing yourselves to playing for this long. Guess what? Those same fans would be laughing at the Yankees if they let Aaron Judge go. And guess what? With an automated strike zone coming, uh, and, the, and, you know, the shift, you know, not, not being able to shift, Judge's hitting skills, you know, should be easier for him to hit. He should only get better. You know, this, the, the luxury tax is only going to go up. Oh, God, that was not a good sign I just did. Uh, the luxury tax is only going to go up. Uh, you know, more and more money is going to come in as Judge spends his whole career with the Yankees, probably being named a captain. More stuff to market him, bringing in more revenue. You know, later on, by the time he's at ladder and Cole and Stan are probably off the books. There's likely no big contracts. I'm not really, you know, I'm not looking at this as all hampering the Yankees. I know Cleveland fans want to celebrate. Cleveland fans acting like, yeah, guys, oh, my God, the Yankees recite Judge. That's good for us. But guess what? Judge is sucked against your team in the playoffs, and we're still 3-0. I mean, have fun winning your AL Central Invitational, and then, you know, oh, we made the playoffs with a low payroll. Guys are still not going to do shit. Uh, anyways, like, yeah, I don't care if we win the World Series. As I don't care if bat this contract as long as we win a World Series. Uh, again, sign other guys. Bring back Ben Attendee. You know, bring, you know, bring a pitcher, bring a pitcher in. Uh, find a way to trade Donaldson and Hicks, please. I mean, if we can trade, if, you know, if the U.S. can trade a Russian arms dealer for a bat, for a basketball player, I think that, you know, the Yankees could find something to trade Hicks or Donaldson for. Please do. Bring back Ben Attendee or some contact hitting left fielder that's a left-handed hitter. And, yeah, we'll see what we do. Or maybe get Brian Reynolds. Overall, you know, there's still a lot of offseason left. I'm excited to see what this team looks like. And I'm really excited to have Aaron Judge back. Uh, that's it for the po- for the episode, guys. Again, I want to thank everybody who supported the podcast thus far. Go follow Jay Bird's Eye View on Twitter for all my latest live reactions to news, to games. Go follow the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram for all my latest episode releases. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.